0: It's not calling you Josh Frydenberg, it's calling you Dosh Frydenberg.
1: Under the coalition, taxes for hard-working Australians will always be lower. You know, I don't hold a hose, mate, and I don't give the control,
0: control. There They're answers that only can come from Victoria, I'm afraid, because that's not my job. But well, I ain't spending any time though, because in the meantime, every three months, a person is torn to pieces by
1: a crocodile in North Queensland.
0: G'day and welcome to Hard Hats and High Viz. Week Six. And that's the Two Jacks campaign coverage of the 2022 Australian Federal Election. We're getting some solid feedback, some good questions, and some very nice compliments. But we need more. We're insatiable in terms of uh, in terms of having our egos massaged. Uh, if you and if you if you like what you're listening to, listeners, rate us on your podcast apps, firstly, and then tell your friends, and most importantly, tell Mark Zuckerberg on Facebook, or Jack Dorsey, or Elon Musk, or whoever's running Twitter these days, that you like us. Give us a spruik on social media, and if you have any questions, any scathing criticisms, any points of interest you want to make, drop us a line at the conditional release program at gmail.com. The two Jacks, I'm one of them, Jack the Insider, Peter Hoisted to his mum, and Hong Kong Jack, Two blokes have witnessed more elections than you've had spaghetti breakfast. G'day, Hong Kong, Jack. How are you today? G'day, Jack. Last week, mates, we are in the last week, and just as uh, just as we get to that, uh, the AEC reported 1.7 million votes cast already as of Friday, as of last Friday. We're recording on the 16th of May, uh, election day is the 21st. And a, and a huge number of postal vote. Yeah, huge. Uh, because, um, um, yeah, there, look there was a, a, an anticipation that it would be about twenty percent of um, of all vo- of, of the total votes cast it might be a little bit higher that, than that and Jack that means those votes can't be can't be counted on election night uh, they can which count is very pre- poll in person but not the postals it's so, just not going to work the same way is it <laughs> It's the end of Don's party. Um, that's that, it is. That's, that's it's going to be a frustrating night for a lot of people. We're and probably mean, not well, going to know a result.
1: We used to have Richard, you know, for the Labor Party, for instance, sitting in the in the telly room in Canberra, you know, um, and and he would, know what hap- he would always know what was happening. He would always know what was happening before the Australian Electoral Commission, and there's a reason for that. All around Australia, the polling booths, the scrutineers. Um, and the captain of the scrutineers would have everyone organised. You watch every vote go past. You keep a tally of the votes, uh, and you also keep um, a, a running sheet of how the preferences are going. Yes. So as soon as the first count's done, the preliminary count's done. Before we go to um, uh, before we go to start counting the Senate votes, someone leaves. One of the scrutineers leaves the polling booth and goes and finds a phone box, as you had to in the old days, mm. and rings party headquarters, and they get a, a, a running total from all of the booths as to who's voted, who they've voted for, and what the preferences are. And that makes Richo look really smart on the telly because he
0: knows before the AEC does. Yeah, look, that's, that's absolutely right. So those those days are, are, are numbered. Those Sadly, they over. Um, yeah. Because you, I mean, this is, we've perhaps sort of got a bit of a hangover from, from COVID. Um, and that is one of the reasons why you can lodge a, a, a pre poll in person or a postal vote. Um, but I had a chat with the AEC media people uh, a couple of weeks ago. They were expecting 20% in postals, might be a little bit higher. Uh, pre polling in person, around about 25%. So we could get as many as half of the votes cast cast pre-poll uh, and uh, and uh, and of those, perhaps 20-25% can't be counted on the night uh, the pre-polling Ooh. really comes uh, into focus uh, that 1.7 million votes already cast Jack, because the, Mor- the Morrison government, the coalition had a launch of their <laughs> launch of their, uh, of their campaign last night We've already it's had like 1.7 million a, votes cast. What? It's a, bit, it's a bit like having the launch the Monday after the election, isn't it? <laughs> I've like on a few book launches I've been to and the book's been out for about 18 months.
1: Yeah. Or, um, or, or, or Bill Shorten going on a campaign tour the, the, the morning after he lost the election. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's right, on the bus. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there was there was the, the big liberal rah-rah. We covered uh, Labor's, which was two weeks ago. Uh, and they are really just uh, get-togethers for the uh, uh, and, and, and a sort of a festival for the rusted on, um, but uh, there might be one or two things that come out of it. And, and this one uh, has been the uh, the big policy announcement. It sort of smacks a bit of desperation. It's the use of uh, first home buyers super up to fifty thousand for a deposit on a house. Um, it does smell a little bit like uh, they've had a look at their internal polling and said, gee, we're weak in housing, firstly. Uh, and then uh, now the questions are arising with that policy announcement about, uh, and it's exactly what we said about uh, the Labor policy, which is a, a contribution from government, a dual contribution from government to first-home buyers, that uh, the likely immediate effect is to raise the price of housing Already great, news if market. This, great news if you're trying to sell your house, both of these <laughs> announcements. <you know. laughs> yes. Um, senator Hume, Jane Hume, she's um, she's actually one of the Libs' better performers, um, a Victorian senator. Uh, she's the Minister for super Superannuation. She, every time I've seen her interview, she knows her stuff. Uh, she has the data at her fingertips and uh, she speaks pretty well. But she even conceded uh, that there would be uh, uh, a bit of a rush on uh, in uh, in terms of the value of housing in in, in those uh, two. Well, they're all they're all overheated markets now. Uh, all all of the capitals. Adelaide's going through a going through a uh, a savage pr- a price hike in, in housing at the moment. Tasmania's already been there, um, but she's already said uh, that uh, there would be a rise Jack. I would imagine in the short term you might see a bump, a bump in house prices, Jack. A little bit of a sugar hit, I would (laughs) think, of course. Just a little bit. But yeah, not acknowledging that these things will cause problems. I don't know. I mean, look, most
1: of these programs to increase home ownership amongst the first home buyers have failed to do anything apart from raise housing
0: prices. Yeah, well, <laughs> certainly housing prices haven't have gone, haven't gone backwards. The, 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 the problem with putting taking the first-time buyer taking out as much as $50,000 uh, from their own super is if the, the housing market does go backwards, and, and, and markets don't always go one way, but if it does go backwards over a, over a reasonably long period of time, 10 to 15 years, let's say, Uh, and uh, they've got uh, more borrowings than they've got equity in their home, then they've basically done their nest egg, haven't they? Yeah, quite possibly. I mean,
1: look, I've got no particular difficulty with some more flexibility as to how people use their super money. Um, I'm I'm not a great fan of giving a lot of money to the the sort of people who run funds, um, to be quite honest.
0: Well, during COVID, of course, the government did come up with a policy of accessing your funds, Jack, and a mm. lot of people did. Uh, mm. So maybe there aren't that many nest eggs around anyway. Mm. I think up to ten, um, just to get you through, get, get you through COVID, and a lot of people did, particularly young people who don't really. I mean, it's a difficult thing conceptually to think about how you might be uh, in forty years' time, uh, and so a lot of those nest eggs are gone anyway. The other thing, of course, is that for, for a lot of people
1: uh, who get to retiring age, their family home, uh, perhaps in a city, is their there nesting. Is there I've well, lost it, count of the number of my friends who, um, who you know, I'm 66, who've gotten to my age or a bit older um, and have sold up in the city, um, uh, paid off everything, um, you know, trousered enough money to um, go down the coast and buy a place down there and live off the rest
0: of it. Mm. Yeah, well that's essentially that's the stigma i mean basically when we're dealing with the middle class and middle class at least in the working class uh those who can afford of a certain generation as you say those who can afford housing that is their primary asset mm. uh, and uh and they've seen they've seen some pretty pretty hefty returns in the last uh in the last decade or so I you, you they basically doubled your money you know, in Sydney, mm-hmm. Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah. Or even better. But one thing that really caught my eye, Jack, uh, on the Friday um, uh, was a, a, a Scott Morrison concession. It was a very, very strange thing to hear. And I want to, I'll just read the quote um, and, and I'll get you to uh, analyse it for me psychoanalyse it if you like because there's a bit of psychiatry going on here he said and you know over the last three years and particularly the last two what Australians have needed from me going through this pandemic has been strength and resilience now I admit that hasn't enabled Australians to see a lot of other gears in the way I work and I know Australians know that I can be a bit of a bulldozer when it comes to issues and suspect you guys know that too he went on to say, I can change, Australia, I can change. What's he saying there, Jack?
1: This looks like a really bad answer in a job interview, if you, you know. <laughs> you know when they, when they say, tell me the worst thing about yourself. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm too, I'm,
0: too, I'm too trustworthy. I'm too reliable. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. It's, it's one of those kind of answers, isn't it, you know. And, uh, but um, there's, there's clearly something going on there. there. There's clearly some internal polling saying he's on the nose. Oh, I think that's that smacks of a focus group saying,
1: no, we don't like him. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know that that's a determinant of the election. People are quite prepared to vote for people they don't like um, uh, and uh, and have a distaste for um, because that's not how they measure it. They just measure who's going to mess it up most. You know?
0: Yeah, good points. And, and, and look, I think also the I can change, um, that's... That's the lament of every, every bad husband to, to every good wife everywhere, isn't it? Yeah, I did get a shiver, a shiver of recognition when I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and, not so and, sure. and it will be taken about as seriously as that. Look, there seemed to be this shift on the Friday too and, and look, that, that sort of concession from Morrison uh, just added weight to it, it that, that we were well on the way to a, a Labor victory I, we're still nowhere near that yet, you know, as I say, we've probably got about 15% of the, of the, uh, the votes cast and, and the, the, the real bulk of them will come this weekend on the Saturday. Um, so it's still in play, it's still very much in play, isn't it? It's still very much in play, Jack, the, the election, you know, you can't talk about fait complies at this stage.
1: No, it's looking a, a labour win's looking more likely than a coalition win. Uh, but um, there's a, there's a, there's a bit of cricket to be played left.
0: Yeah, we're just in the last session, aren't we? Yeah. I just come back from tea, and just, him, uh, just,
1: just remember that I was in Kentucky. You know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Albanese said he isn't a bulldozer. he he, he said he's a builder in reply. Pretty clumsy sort of response,
1: I would have uh, thought. You know? so, so that's why he's been wearing the yellow hat around everywhere.
0: He's Bob the Builder, <laughs> is he? Yeah, he's, he's a builder. He's a builder. Um, but he's sort of released what's called a two-term strategy. That this is... Oh, that's a bit a of presumption. Bit, bit, of, <laughs> bit of presumption there. Yeah, he? he's just
1: getting a bit ahead of himself there. Yeah, uh,
0: saying, yeah, look, uh, when most of us can't tell what's going to happen, in a week, it seems a bit presumptuous to be uh, talking about three years. Th- time. Th- this was an error,
1: Bill Shorten, mate. He, th- he he was behaving like he was a certainty um, last time around, and I think that's an error.
0: Well, Rob, well, well look, let's let's be presumptuous and let's be presumptuous enough to say that Labor will get to seventy six plus. Yep. What are they going to do when they or get? Several, or seventy-four and Adam Banton and um, uh, and, uh, and Wilkie, you know. Well, we'll go through the polling in a little while, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but let's let's uh, let, let's uh, let's what, what are the big uh, items on the agenda for Labor? You know, the first thing to do is is to get the government right, get the
1: shape of the government right, and and there's really only one way to do that. There's only one way that really works and stays working for any length of time, and that's proper cabinet government. Yeah, so you totally get, right. so you get more or less the right people um, uh, in in your cabinet, and and that's in the Labor Party. It's still, I still think it's largely controlled by who gets the votes in the party room, uh, and that gives you a range of people, and that's a good idea. Put them in the right jobs and make the cabinet room work properly. Mm. No gang of four, um, uh, a mistake that uh, Kevin Rudd and Julia Gillard made of having uh, she and uh, and Kevin and Lindsay Tanner and Wayne Swan making all the big decisions and then going to the cabinet room. Uh, in Tony Blair's uh, last government, it was called the, uh, the, uh, the couch, the, the, the gang of the couch, the, the people who sat around the couch at number 10 mm. who made the decisions. You want to avoid that have the decisions made properly in the cabinet room, make ministers argue their point. That means when the decisions go to the people, they're less likely to annoy the whole population.
0: Well, as Paul Keating once said, you change the government, you change the country. He said that in uh, 1996 when he's about to be rolled. And it does happen, doesn't it? You, you really do have a, a big change. The other thing that uh, I'd like you to... Uh, to uh, think about is that we've seen a bureaucracy and certain agencies basically just dripping with Liberal Party appointments. So do we go the night of the long knives? Oh, that, is that it, what it, Labor should be doing? That seems
1: to happen with every
0: change of government now. But um, well, didn't really, in 2007?
1: Um, well, it goes right back to the Whitlam years, really. Um, uh, Whitlam steadily replaced public servants with people who he thought were like-minded, and it's but it's at every at every change of government since then, it seems to have gotten worse. Um, you know the, the the days when there were senior public service mandarins who survived
0: any change of government are mm. gone. That, that those look those days I, I, I fully accept her, but, but where you've got political appointments in. Um, foreign affairs uh, in embassies around the country. Do you just say right? I pack your bags and come home. We'll uh, we'll find some uh, find some other people. G- generally, that would be an error,
1: unless it's a particularly egregious appointment. You know, um, Vince Gear, yeah. Vince Gear, and yeah, Vin, Ireland, v- Vince Gear, and Ireland, and the Holy See. You know, <laughs> um, uh, perhaps that's an exception, but generally speaking. Um, a lot of these former politicians who take these jobs do
0: a pretty good job. But they're everywhere, Jack. Liberal Party appointees, Fair Work Commission, uh, the Administrative Affairs Tribunal, they're just everywhere. Don't they have to be culled? Uh,
1: well, I can tell you I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, with a uh, With a new minister back in 2004, Um, uh, all the people who were Labor appointees to a tribunal, and I was one of them, having been there for 10 years, Uh, we got our
0: Don't Come Monday notice. Don't Come Monday. (laughs) Pack your your things in a little box and off you go.
1: Uh, uh, Literally, I think we were given 20 hours notice. Wow.
0: Yeah. So there will be that. I mean, you change the government, you change the country and there will be changes in the bureaucracy and also in those sort of quasi-government agencies that are just full for the brim of people on two, three $300,000 a year, Liberal Party appointees who get paid a lot of money to do not very much.
1: Um, a lot of the Tribunal and Fair Work Commission and those sort of appointees are appointments for an amount of time. There's not much they can do about those, but once the time runs out, they can just not reappoint them.
0: The, uh, the Labor government also has a policy position on calling a Royal Commission into robo-debt check. You looked at that very much because it's got a bit of a stench no, about no, it.
1: Not, not a great deal, but then um, this has happened before. Uh, there, were, there was the... Uh, wasn't didn't we have royal commissions into the pink bats and all that sort of stuff, you know? Um, and they will spend a fair bit of yep. time, and they'll and they'll discover that, uh, like the pink bats and a few other things that were investigated, this wasn't a particularly good idea,
0: and it wasn't very well administered. Yeah, that is one of uh, Bill Shorten's uh, uh, ideas, but it, it will also usher in a federal ICAC and with the structure. We're not quite sure of at this stage, but uh, a rejection of the government's policy, current government's policy of having a um, uh, an oversight agency. Well, they've had three years to bring it in. They said they're going to bring it in. They haven't. Um, but that, that left basically the triggers for investigation in the minister in the minister's office, which seems a bit bizarre. Uh, what the model, what the Labor model will look like is a little bit like the New South Wales Labor. Uh, Sorry, the New South Wales uh, uh, state ICAC. Yeah, well, that that, which is in turn modelled
1: on the Hong Kong ICAC. It is, Uh, yes, and they and they were and they were been a disaster in both places. Uh, don't say that, Jack. If you're a journalist,
0: it's just meat and drink, mate. Oh,
1: look! I know it's great for the journalists, and pretty good for some lawyers as well. <laughs> Very but, good uh, for lawyers. But uh, so, so it's not terribly bad for society. But uh, but for the for the for the
0: state and country as a whole, not a good plan. Oh, the old perp walk. It's it's it's. Meat and drink for journalists, Jack. The old perp walk for uh, ministers and powerful people everywhere. It's a lovely, lovely thing to see. So we'll see that. We'll also see the Uluru Statement, which is is policy. I don't talk seriously about it. The Uluru Statement is something that will need um, both sides of of politics to weigh in and come up with... um, uh, uh, and, and, and support a referendum, which which uh, brings in some co- um, uh, constitutional change, particularly uh, a, a preface to the constitution. Um, and uh, and Labour has has said that it will pursue it with some speed. I think it's not something that should be uh, dealt with uh, uh, hastily, but um, really it's been ignored for a long time. Um, how do you get? Uh, How do, well, firstly, you have to have a bipartisan approach. But once you have a bipartisan approach, how do you get to convince Australians about the benefits uh, related to the Uluru Statement? Slowly
1: is the answer. Um, You've really got to take your time. If you want to get this thing through and you want to make it work properly, you've got to be patient um, and um, you've got to allow people time to come to a, a, a point of view that, favors it if you try and push it through it just won't work mm. it must be
0: bipartisan it cannot work yep.
1: any other way and, and, and it's going to be more than bipartisan it's got to have widespread community support so it's not enough just to get the the, the talking head politicians to agree on either side of the uh, on either side of the house well that's you're the actually, first step is what I'm saying yeah, yeah. You, but you, you're you're actually, actually you've got to give that time to filter through so you get widespread community support, and that means you've got to come up with an idea that's capable of getting widespread
0: community support. Yeah, yeah, it needs it does need a lot of work. The first step is to get that to get that bipartisan approach within the within the parliament. Yeah, uh, and and then but that's only the first. To, yeah, then then go to the community and, and work away. And, and uh, look, I think the Labor's got a number of very significant uh, uh, Indigenous or First Australians. Among it, and uh, they will have a, a, certainly a role to play in that. Uh, for both, whether, whether uh, Elbow wins or Morrison wins, there's going to have to be some debt control, isn't there? There's going to have to be some um, uh, some balance <coughs> some balance sheet work done in terms of uh, in terms of revenue, uh, and uh, uh, you know. Certainly, if Australia economy goes through fairly modest growth, there's going to have to be some cutting done, doesn't there? Yes, and both sides. If, 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 if
1: we get to a if we get to a stagflation situation again, mm. um, like we did in the 70s, uh, I think the solution to that um, uh, is reasonably clear. We know what worked last time. That means some significant cutting. It also means some reduction in regulation um, to reduce costs all around. So all the things that will Im- improve productivity need to be looked at if you get to that star situation. And I think we're heading there.
0: Yes, and around the, and around that, the world, I might add. Uh, yeah, that's right. And, and and so what we saw, uh, with, which overcame that in the eighties, was with, with the equipment marks one to I think six or seven. Uh, and and the accords were essentially productivity trade-offs for pay increases. Yeah, and, and getting rid of
1: regulation—it's it's the sort of things that sort of things that are a bit unpopular these days. They're the sort of policies pursued by Margaret Thatcher and Bob Hawke. Well, and and a fair bit a fair crank, fair part of the Labor Party had amnesia about what Hawke did for years afterwards. Including
0: the current leader Jack, Montana, I might have had a bit of memory. He wasn't happy at the time. Let's just say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, is it true that uh, that with a Labor government, the most uh, uh, the most uh, um, the least sought after uh, cabinet position would be Minister for Industrial Relations? Oh, it's a losing job. It's, a losing job. it's yeah. the horror job, it's, isn't it? Because all of a sudden you're like, going to deal with the unions and and try and be their master, or try and tell them what they do. And really, yeah. that's your background. Yeah. It's
1: it's it's like the old days in the UK being offered the Northern Ireland office. You
0: know, <laughs> <I> mean, uh, <laughs> what's the what's what's the coalitions? Uh, that would be environment, wouldn't it? Coalitions probably, be yeah, probably, probably can't win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So if Morrison does, uh, I think another miracle, it w- and this one would be, I reckon, this one would be, you know, get down to Lord's. If you're uh, having a bit of trouble walking around, get down to Lord's and uh, splash about a bit because this would be, uh, this would be um, uh, the huge, huge miracle. But if it does happen, how would things be any different? I mean, I, I, I'll just take you back, Jack, because I think 2019 there was an expectation around the coalition. So just Labor thought they were going to win, and so the coalition thought they were going to lose. And then yes. they woke up on the Sunday morning with not a lot of postal votes being cast that time, and uh, and they knew they'd won, and and, and they and that was like, okay, well, what do we do now? Because they, they really well, didn't have an agenda.
1: Well, I think every election produces a slightly different government, sometimes a markedly different government, but it's never just the same government when you, when you reassemble uh, back in Parliament House. There are people missing, there are new people, yeah. uh, and, um, and there are new allegiances and alliances
0: even within parties post an election. Right. So they have lost a lot of talent, And I know there might be some guffawing among our listeners here, but they have lost a lot of talent. Greg Hunt is a major loss. Uh, I don't think we're making too many assumptions when we think that Josh Frydenberg might not be a member of the next government if Morrison does win. Uh, There'll be a lot of new faces there, won't there? There will be. And you you really just don't,
1: quite honestly, you really just don't know how they're going to go until they get the job.
0: Well, like I said before, Jane Hume. Um, while it might be a bit of an expectation to put her up. She's in the Senate, so you wouldn't have her as a treasurer. But she seems to be uh, a person most capable as 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 a, as a, a cabinet a cabinet minister. She would certainly be deserving of a of a promotion. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, they've lost a lot of talent over the days. When you saw the when I saw the um, uh, the the campaign launch. Five weeks in, six weeks in um, I looked across there there were, there, were, there were a few old A few old Bronnie Bishop was there for example But uh, there was a, a list of uh, A lot of uh, lot of you know, Tony Abbott was there uh, uh, Malcolm Turnbull I think he might still be overseas Didn't make his way in um, But there are a lot of ministers And some of them quite good That, uh, uh, that are no longer uh, In the government yeah, well, you get that. Always turnover. Yeah, well, it's, it's uh, you play the youth, Jack. You play. The, you got the youth policy. Play the youth. Well, you've, you've always got to be refreshing the uh, the team, I think. Yeah, but there is that talent drain too, and that's what I. That's when I look at the Morrison government and think if they do find themselves on the Sunday, although it'll probably be the Wednesday once we count the postals and say, oh gee, we won't. We won again. Uh, I, I just wonder where they <laughs> get the talent from. But anyway, we'll see about that. Jack, have you seen the polls lately? They seem to confirm a Labour majority.
1: They do. The um, lead's bigger than it was this stage uh, in 2019. That's certainly true. Yeah, that's that's the thing,
0: uh, and.
1: Uh, so if the polls are going to get it wrong again, they're going to we're going to have to work a bit harder and get it even more well, wrong. Uh,
0: look, it just might be the end for a few of the polling companies, I think. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, going to be a hard product to sell in the third time it around. <laughs> <the> time around. <laughs> bit awkward, bit awkward, you know, because there's a lot of newspaper headlines devoted to this stuff, particularly this week. You'll see that on the Friday and on the Saturday, what the prediction is. And really, that's what the polling companies live for, that last poll before an election. That's what they would like to be judged on. Um, And so we're still a week away or five or six days away from that. Um, News poll is saying there'll be a 5.53 swing two-party preferred to Labor. Now, we've talked about two-party preferred and we think it's junk. Uh, It's sort of junk stuff. There are just way too many assumptions being made around two-party preferred polling figures, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, it's too many variables. What we do have is a primary vote for Labor on in the news poll at 38% of the Coalition 35. Labor's kind of where it needs to be, bearing in mind there's going to be, I would say, minimum on the polling. I mean, news poll says 15 for the Greens, minimum 12, and that pretty much gets you there uh, in terms You should, of you should if, if that holds up at all, they win. But the figure here is the Coalition of 35, Jack. Now, that's down about 6% on, on, on almost 7 since 2019. That is a very low figure for the Coalition. Mm. <laughs> and it tells you that they are fighting a, a war uh, on two fronts, uh, that they've got the traditional foes to the left of them and uh, in the centre they've got their foes with the Indies uh, well, we could add a third front and that's the FON uh, UAP front. Uh, I can tell you that UAP have kind of had a trademark change of mind and they will be, for the most part, um, uh, uh, preferencing the coalition. In some seats, they're actually preferencing Labor. That's the UAP lives lot. Uh, but yeah, that's a very,
1: very low vote for the coalition. We've well, been looking the same way all the way through, really, yes, for is a that, long time now. Yeah. is that it looks like uh, people have sort of had uh, enough people have probably had enough of the government, well, had, had, had a bit, seen a bit too much of them, um, but it, it's just not clear yet whether they're going to um, end up in the Labor column in big enough numbers to just give them the 76 plus seats.
0: Yeah. Did you see any of the YouGov polling uh, that was released last week in the Australian? That was the I did. 19,000 respondents, over 151 seats, which, if my mathematics is any good, and it's generally not, but it's okay on this occasion, that's about uh, 125 people polled per seat. Uh, yeah. Uh, we did see some f- so we,
1: we again uh which yeah, makes you, me, you wonder when it's 125 people polled. per suit so you not well on average
0: yeah of... I, look i don't know how, how many people would they poll in Lineari, you yeah know? yeah i mean yeah. <laughs> i reckon, reckon there would be a lot of there'd be a lot of phone calls being made there look the the the, the, the YouGov stuff <clears throat> is um yes they're, they're using they're using uh, uh traditional polling data uh, but they're also using modeling around it They're using data that's been obtained uh, from from News Poll, I believe, as well. And they're making assumptions. And some of the modelling seems to be to get a hammer out. And if you get a a result that seems a bit strange, you get a hammer out and build it into a less weird sort of character. Um, And they've indicated there that Labor will win, that Labor will win between 76 and 80 seats. Uh, in that uh, in that new gov poll, and um, also that um, uh, that uh, while uh, while uh, J- uh, 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 Josh Frydenberg uh, will get rolled in Kuyong and his mate uh, in Goldstein too, Tim uh, will will get b- belted there. That uh, the independents won't win any of the blue ribbons in New South Wales, which is a bold prediction, and I'm not entirely sure that's going to going to play out that way.
1: Just your description of how the YouGov poll works, I, I just get that feeling. I'm, I'm doing a large intake of breath and saying, if I own the polling company, God, I hope that works. <laughs> well, it seems,
0: it seems to me, not that no, I look, you know, it, 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 I've, had a, I've had a chat with a few sophologists about it, and, and they say these sorts of things the use of modeling and so forth. It seems to me, if I'm going to be cruel, Jack, that it might be a poll that doesn't want to be too wrong. Yeah, mm. you know, that's <laughs> a bit like that. Doesn't it? <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the business model. Well, we we were wrong, but we weren't too wrong. Um, oh, I, I seem to have my uh,
1: my old pal Madonna Madonna Jarrett in front in Brisbane narrowly. Uh, yes, and 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 I've got on the on the WhatsApp during the week, and um, and I am reliably informed that's about how, how they see it from the inside as well. They're just in front.
0: Just in front. Look, where are that, that very strange uh, uh, very strange set of circumstances around the seat of Brisbane. Um, uh, you've got Labor, I think, on the YouGov poll. Labor on 29% of the primary vote. The Greens on 28 hmm. So whoever comes second wins. So basically, much, that's how yeah. it works. And, 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 and if the Greens get one more than, than, than Labor, they'll win that seat. So... Mm. Uh, just for punters, I think that's paying about five dollars. The Greens win in Brisbane, Jack, um, and <laughs> we'll get onto the betting markets in a moment. But uh, yeah, look, there, there are some. Uh, it is indicating that uh, that Labor will hold seats that I think they've got some problems in, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about individual seats in a minute. Um, the essential poll, and I, I was uh, quite interested in this, is that forty six percent of respondents say it's time to give someone else a go. That's a big number. Thirty-three percent say stick with the government we've got, and twenty-one percent unsure. That's a big figure too. But almost that sort of half supports
1: what we've been saying all along: is that it, it looks like a lot of people have had enough of
0: the government, but it isn't clear where they're going to where they're going to land their boat. Yeah, and that comes down to Labor's messaging for the rest of the week, basically. In the betting markets, um, we've got Labor on uh, in the head-to-head Labor to form the next government, a dollar thirty-one, and uh, sorry, a dollar thirty-three, and uh, and the Coalition at three dollars ten. Um, that's wobbled about a bit. I mean, Coalition came into two dollars ten about three weeks ago, uh, and Labor shot out to about dollar seventy, but they've firmed since. Um, and uh, on, the, on the head-to-head, it would seem. Uh, yeah, well, if we're going to go for the twenty nineteen parallels, uh, uh, labour were much shorter, much much shorter in the last week. They were sort of dollar ten. There were a dollar tender win, so uh, I think they paid out, hadn't they? Well, <laughs> one agency did pay out on the Friday, mm. um, uh, but uh, I think once we understand what the bookies are about, that was a bit of a public relations exercise, really, and they
1: probably didn't okay, have much that in the pool. But to be honest, a lot of that early payout stuff—that's just marketing. Yeah,
0: yeah, they're exactly right, exactly right. So, um, uh, in the individual seat markets, uh, labour. Labor, as it stands, for our listeners uh, who, who want to understand the maths better, uh, they're at sixty-eight uh, in the old parliament. They pick up one, uh, they pick up one seat, the seat of Hawke, uh, which is uh, nominally a labor labor pickup, and, and it will be won. Uh, there's a fourteen percent swing. Uh, would be required for the coalition to win it, and uh, the seat of Hawke in uh, Melbourne's outer west. So that gives them sixty nine. And then we look at uh, there's another five seats where uh, Labor are very short odds on to win their uh, coalition marginals: two in WA Swan and Pearce, um, Boothby in South Australia, Chisholm in Victoria, and Reed in New South Wales, where Labor is paying under $1.50 and generally around about $1.30 now. So that takes them up to 74. They lead in three other seats. Uh, Robertson uh, in New South Wales as well. Chisholm, uh, uh, no, sorry, Longman in Queensland. Uh, And uh, I'm just trying to think where the other one is. But they lead in three seats and then they're neck and neck in four more. They are all coalition held marginals. So it seems they can get to seventy four, and seventy four probably gives them government, doesn't it? You know, minority government uh, with uh, with Adam and uh, and a possible and a possible second green in the parliament, or indeed Andrew Wilkie. Um, but they they you can get to seventy four very quickly on this, but then it's a bit of a battle, is what I'm saying, on the betting markets alone. Um, so it's still close. Um, yeah, it's still close. It's, yeah. it's, I, I, I still think it's close. I, I, I think they've probably done enough to get home, but we've still got a week of week of uh, the campaign to go. And I guess the question is, you can get to seventy four pretty easily, um, but will it lose
1: any? And yeah, tip 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 for punters: don't spend the money
0: until the money goes in the frame and all clear is declared. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. And in and, and political betting, that that is basically when when the writs are returned. Um, so you can wait a little while. Trust me, as a person who's had a bit of a lash, and will always have a bit of a lash on elections, um, you do have to wait a little while to get your dough. Um, but yeah, will it lose any? And look, I was talking to a few Labor people last week, and they they doubt they they they're a bit they're a bit towy around Lingyari, which is uh, the Northern Territory seat. Um, basically, there are two seats in uh, two House of Rep seats in in the territory. One uh is Solomon, which is basically Darwin and, and Lingiari, which is everything else. And uh and it's almost impossible to poll. Uh the markets show um that uh, Maria Skigmore is Skigmore is the Labour candidate is uh is ahead in the in the markets. Uh the coalition or the country uh, the country Liberal Party, uh, but in the abbreviate that jack uh, the country liberal party um, uh, they have they former deputy a former mayor of Alice Springs up against her and so that's going to be really one to watch it's almost one where you don't get any any indication very strange see given that a lot of people are voting well the first australians are voting from regional uh, from, from from remote remote australia
1: and perhaps a more personal voting um, uh, than party voting seat.
0: Yeah, and of course, Warren Snowden was, uh, was the uh, was the Labor member there for many, many years and, and did have a, a, a very popular following. So uh, the Labor candidate, Miss um, Skidmore, Marion Skidmore, uh, Skidmore is um, uh, an Indigenous woman. That would give us some distinct advantage, I would think. Uh, but there's some big issues running around Alice Springs, particularly around... Um, Particularly around crime and so forth, which essentially aren't federal issues, but uh, <clears throat> but um, uh, but yeah, that that one, that one, you know, you just you just have to wait to see what happens. Well,
1: Everything's a federal issue in the Northern Territory, it's where all, all the money comes from
0: <laughs> well, the, Northern, the Northern Territory government. Hang on to it for a while, and usually misspend it. That's yeah, that's how yeah. it works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Gilmore is another one where uh, you know you're just going to have to wait. Uh, to see it's a Labor-held seat. This is uh, Andrew Constance, isn't it? Yeah, Andrew Constance is the Liberal candidate. We've mentioned it, mentioned the seat a few times on the south coast, the beautiful sapphire coast of uh, New South Wales. And Andrew Constance is a former New South Wales uh, treasurer in the coalition government there, in the state coalition government, and a former transport minister. He didn't cover himself in glory, it must be said. Uh, if you think I'm making anything up, go and have a jump on the light rail when you're in Sydney next. Um, uh, <coughs> uh, the, um, yeah, the seat of Gilmore, again, the markets say he'll win. The polls, uh, sorry, the YouGov polls say uh, Labor's Fiona Martin will win. I think it's Fiona Martin will win. And, uh, <coughs> and the markets say she's just in front. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the get out for the coalition. If Labor lose a couple, uh, and then struggle to get to that 76 or even 75. Yep. So what does Labor say for the rest of the week, Jack?
1: Oh, Labor's got to keep saying the same thing I've been saying for a while, which is the government's run its course, but then not get too carried away um, with announcing a raft of policies and and, oh, and government spending it's oh, just God. a question of saying they've done all they can do they've run out of steam they've run out of ideas
0: yep. we're just going to govern better yeah uh, you wouldn't even go so far as to say we're going to come in with a bit of energy and enthusiasm all you have to be saying is and I I know <clears throat> that one of the one of the phrases we've been using Jack is is a government that's passed it's used by date and I notice a number of senior Labor figures were using that phrase. Now, we're not—I'm not, not accusing—and I'm not, I'm not accusing them of plagiarism, um, but uh, that is it's just got common this, sense. It's, <laughs> got to be, it's got to be the message. Got to be yeah. the message. You don't go any further than that. This is a government that's completely run out of steam. You don't even have to target Morrison that much. You know, you just have to keep saying this is a, a government that has worn out its welcome with the Australian people. And that's what uh, what that's what I have to say. What does the coalition have to say, Jack? Other than Scott Morrison can change. Well, that's not a winning move. It's I don't not think. a good move, is it? No. <laughs> yeah. I that's, thought that that's... was a white flag moment. Really, I thought that was a white yeah, flag yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, uh, Barry Cassidy called the uh, housing policy a hail mary. I think that I can change even more of a hail mary past <laughs> than uh, uh, than that. Um, well, the only the only way they the only way they can can survive, I think, is just to say we don't really know enough about who Anthony Albanese is. Yep. Can you trust them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that and that's, and that's because be, because yeah. there's a there's a lingering sense of distrust about Labor's economic management, um, whether it's justified or not is another question. But I think in the community that's that still exists. Yep. So the, the only way he survives is. Just keep hammering the message. Who's Anthony Albanese? Can you really trust them?
0: Yeah, and that seems to be. And, all the and, and hope like hell.
1: To, hope like hell that people go for the security blanket of better, the, better the devil than I know.
0: Yes. Look, do you remember the old days, Jack? When you used to have a media blackout? You remember that going back? Well, I do. You started yes. on the Thursday, didn't it? You know, midnight Wednesday, I think, and. Uh, uh, this this time you're going to see you're going to see probably half of the votes cast by that day, by almost by half by that the day. Cup, Wednesday Thursday, yeah. So yeah. The, we, we're talking now sort of you know the early afternoon of Monday the sixteenth of May. There's really only three or four days left in this campaign. Yeah, yeah.
1: Now one one of our one of our listeners asked us about how to vote cards.
0: Oh, yeah, look, let's get let's open that can of, worms up, can of you've, worms up. You've handed a few out, haven't you? I'm not supposed to say anything like that, Jack. I worked for the Australian. No, look, in my pre-Australian days, I did. Yes, I did. I did hand it out to the Labor Party, uh, and a mate of ours. Yeah, I've handed, I've handed quite a
1: few out. The first time was in 1975, um, uh, and it was in rural Victoria. In a little town that had a railway siding but no station, uh, and a pub and a little bit of a factory, uh, that, that was it—about twenty houses, so very small. Um, and I was handing them out to the Labor Party. Um, and by by this stage in uh, in nineteen seventy five, the Whitlam government was well and truly on the nose, especially in rural areas. Um, uh, and I thought I might have got my face punched in because <laughs> w- w- the, the polling booth was not very far from the nearest pub uh, and as the afternoon um, uh, went on, the di- I was the only person doing it for the Labor Party, I might have. Um, the, I was there all day. Uh, the disgruntled um, uh, National Party voters were getting a little bit more um, full of ink um, and a little bit more angry as they came past <laughs> us uh, and, uh, and I think I was the only reason I didn't get punched up was uh, because the National Party people were very nice to me and uh, uh, and said no, you can't do that. You know he's
0: a nice boy. You know, I, I think I was probably about twenty at the time. You know? uh, well, uh, well you were very lucky to survive that. Um, it was a very angry time, uh, 1975 for the nation. But it was um, uh, our our, our, uh, our listener uh, was asking about how much do they how much do they count? Yeah, uh, uh, do people not a, not a- not do people slavishly experience. follow them? Put the out of eight card there next to the ballot paper and go bang, bang, bang. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I'm doing.
1: I think they have some influence, or they used to have some influence over the preferential voting. Um, they, they don't build up your numbers to get the number one vote, but they might build up some preferential
0: voting for. Them. And in the minor parties... So, so the so the minor parties don't have the resources to have you know every booth covered with with uh, hand, hand of vote card people, and, and so people you know might be able to vote, might see a poster of Pauline Hanson or you know at, at the booth, but there'd be no one handing out for them. So they might say, I'm going to vote for Pauline or her candidate in this seat, and then I'm just going to bang whatever I like. I'm just going to just going to. Uh, Put you know, put put their own preferences. And this is why it's one of the great misnomers of the 2019 election that Clive's United Australia Party actually delivered government to the Liberals by way of um, preferences. When really, when the preferences were all counted, they went 60 to the Coalition, 40 to Labor. And One Nation is sort of 65-35. So those... Yeah, that, this, this this is quite common. Um And it's completely
1: contrary to what they're doing with the how-to-votes, yeah. Yeah. Quite often, the smaller parties have trouble getting the numbers of people there to hand out how-to-vote cars, and they sometimes require
0: some assistance from the major parties to do that. They sometimes do, and the the major parties sometimes provide that, Jack. They do. (laughs) Well, I have noticed, just uh, as uh, kind of intriguing, and a couple of pre-poll booths I've looked at, they've had UAP people uh, at the front there, which... I can only presume, and someone did tell me, I may this may be incorrect, but they're, they're actually paid. Um, could well it be. Do it. Mm. it could well be. I mean, in 2019, Clive did, did uh, pay for people to hand out in booths around the country, and they could well be. There were three or four of them outside a booth I had a look at the other week. Um, yeah, so basically people get their cards, but they don't always slavishly follow what's on them, do they?
1: No, they don't, you know. And there's a bit of of kind of theatre about it all. You're standing at the front of the booth and some people like to um, vigorously um, uh, ignore your card and take the other one um, uh, just to sort of make it so they can feel like they're making a bit of a statement. But really the people who are standing around don't take much notice of that.
0: All right, Jack, now we've come to the end of the show and this will be the last show that we do before Wow. Well, before the votes are cast, we won't say before the result is known, but before the votes are cast. So I would like you to delve deep uh, into your mind and tell me who's going to win and why. Oh, I think Labor will probably just get across the line. And is that
1: because of the tired old government syndrome? Yeah, I think it's probably... They probably... They seem a little bit bereft of ideas. They do seem a bit tired.
0: Okay, and if you ask me, I'd say pretty much the same. I think people might be saying going a little bit further and say, "Well, let's have a government with a bit of energy and enthusiasm." We're not expecting, uh, we're not expecting the nineteen eighty three Hawke cabinet, but we'll, uh, but we'll, uh, we'll ha- at least have some people who are a bit keener on their jobs than the, than the previous mob have been. So I'm tipping Labor to win by. Well, I'll go with 78 seats. It might be a few more, I think, in the end, depending on how this week goes. Uh, and the Senate, I'll tell you one thing, one prediction for the Senate, Jack. It will be an absolute freak show.
1: Yeah, it'll be full of crazies. <laughs> um, you know, earlier earlier on in the campaign, I, 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 was, I was persuaded by some pals who were in this business in the kind of lobbying and government business that was going to be a hung parliament, but I just think it's you know looking a little bit more likely that Labor it probably look, it,
0: look it definitely looked like that two weeks ago, two three weeks ago. ago. Uh, it did look like Labor just didn't have enough. Uh just, just Morrison, Morrison seems, doesn't seem to have
1: made any ground, I don't think, and I, I think he needed to. I
0: think that's the unwritten story, and we'll review all of that next week. And, and, and I think his, his campaign's been awful, but it's probably been awful not by necessity because he doesn't have a good team around him or a well-known team around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's had to run this presidential campaign and often go into areas where he's not terribly popular. It's not um, the
1: worst campaign I've seen for a while. That was Malcolm Turnbull's.
0: Yeah, that wasn't great, but at least he won. I mean, he lost a few well, seats, yeah, but at he least he, bl- he won. fell across the line. Yeah, 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 he did fall across the line. So we'll be reviewing everything by the time we get there. We may still not have a result because probably twenty to twenty-five percent of the votes cast will be coming in as postals, and uh, and they will not be counted on election night. So Jack, uh, we'll wait for a few more days, and and uh, we will be back for week seven to uh, to review it all and see what's happened. And I just wanted to tell listeners uh, again, uh, if you want to give us a bit of a give us a bit of a ramp up on social media, please do. And we do want to hear your comments, even if they are vicious and horrible. Uh, we do want to hear your comments, and please send them to us at our, at our email at you know, the conditional conditional release program at gmail.com. Jack, just
1: one little bit of news. Um, it's New South Wales political news, really. But um, a, a good friend of mine um, was having lunch, having dinner with his wife the other day, and at the table next to him there was a familiar looking Aussie bloke, um, and he thought, "Gee, I know that face from somewhere." Um, so he got on his phone um, and got on the on the on the check. And he's 99% certain certain it was the young chap from Wagga Wagga, um, Gladys Berejiklian's former partner, former boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, sure, yes, yes, yes. Dazzling dazzling Daryl. Daryl, yeah, Daryl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and he was uh, dining with a French bloke and a local Chinese bloke, Um, and it looked like he was may have been negotiating some kind of deal with them. Oh, he's a deal maker, Jack. It's he's a deal maker. He's a dealmaker. Uh, and as my mate who's lived here for a long time said, gee, really, um, you might think you can do a deal in Wagga, but, you know, sitting down with the locals here in <laughs> Hong Kong, you know, uh, <laughs> they're going to skin you and send the carcass back, <laughs> you know. Right. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They're, they're going to dry your skin and use it as a tent. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so, so Wagga nice is Darryl, eh? like
1: good training. You
0: know? mm? Nice to see Darrell, though. I, 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 I'm not quite sure what the status of that is. I think there is some talk about corruption in public office charges, but I'm not quite sure that we're there yet. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's nice to see he's out and about. Oh, lovely to see anyone named Daryl can't be all that bad, Jack.
1: All yeah, right, you, terrific work. Just, just imagine in Hong Kong, sticking your hand out, saying, I'm Daryl from Daryl. You, you
0: can Wogga. call me Dazza. <laughs> Great stuff, Jack. All the best, listeners, and we'll catch up with you next week with the results, hopefully. Cheers.